The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say, I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Brothers and sisters, once again, it's a great joy to be with you tonight. And uh, I want to thank Father Steele for also being here to can celebrate and for the invitation from Chris and Teresa to celebrate this Mass. And I also want to thank Father Cole Kennett for um, deciding to have this memorial Mass, even though the storm kept him away. Um, so he called me yesterday to double-check that I would be able to pinch it. Um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do. And today we celebrate the Feast of Christ the King, and it's the last Sunday of the liturgical year, right before we start Advent, to kind of start the whole thing over again, when we remember that our Lord is the King of the universe. And, and that's an observance that we sort of, I mean, we celebrate it every year, right? Like, Oh, uh, we're celebrating the Feast of Christ the King. Like, I think we have some sisters named after them. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a feast day that can come and go. But in a particular way, in the time in which we live, it's important for us to remember right, that our Lord is the King of the universe. Right, that He is the one that heals all division, that he's ultimately the one that rules the church, and that he's also meant to be the king of our hearts. And if he's truly the king of our hearts, that means that we've turned our hearts completely over to him, that that we've entrusted our lives completely to him, that there's nothing that stands in the way. of our relationship with him. 
and the love that he gives to us each day, of his love that sustains us each day. And so it's a day to kind of examine our own consciences and say, okay, is Jesus really the king of my heart? When I'm having a bad day, do I turn to him first and foremost? In the normal everyday sufferings of my life, do I turn to him for relief? When I'm bored and I find that I have a couple of hours to kill, does it occur to me that I could spend those hours in relationship with my king? Because the goal of our lives as Christians is to completely surrender our hearts to him. To completely place our faith in him. To completely place our trust in him. And so today is a day to examine our lives and to ask ourselves that question. Is there part of my life that I have not yet surrendered? Is there some conflict in my life that I have not yet surrendered? Is there some resentment in my life that I had not yet surrendered? So that I can truly live in the freedom of being a child of God. That's kind of the adventure of the Christian life, is it's a constant moving and surrendering everything to him. And we hope and pray that at the end of our lives, we've truly surrendered everything. And today, as we gather, especially on this occasion of the 20th anniversary of Nathan's death, it's it's an opportunity to reflect on that dimension of surrendering everything to him. You know, oftentimes when there's a greater amount of suffering that we have when children die. Stanley Hauerwas is a Methodist theologian, and he talks about how people have a harder time accepting the death of a child because we tend to measure all of the things that they never got to do. And one of the errors that he points out is that it's kind of arbitrary for us to say that in order to have a complete life, you have to live this long. Because the stories that are told about Nathan are stories of a complete life. And they're stories of a complete surrendering of one's life. And a complete acceptance of his life. One of the, I think, most impressive of those, at least the one that's most in my memory, is 
just Teresa talking about how at a certain point he just started talking all about what he was going to do when he got to heaven. Which is a sign that he knew that Christ was his king. That he knew that Christ was his king. And in that acceptance and surrender, then our Lord is able to glorify that life. Our Lord is able to enter into our suffering. He's able to enter into our pain. He's able to enter into our wounds and transform them. When we're willing to surrender them completely to him. You know, and lots of you are familiar faces, and so most of you know this story, but I'm going to tell it anyways because I get to preach. <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of my own gratitude and like where, um, like my gratitude for Nathan's life is in the way that he has like transformed my own life. And, you know, yesterday or two days ago, I went to my brother's for Thanksgiving and, uh, my brother's got a doctorate in psychology and he's a counselor in Des Moines and he has three children and I got to baptize my third nephew um, on Friday and kind of be a witness to like how amazing my little brother's life is. And, uh, and probably like some days, you know, at the end of my day as a priest when I feel rejected by everybody and I'm hugging my pillow, I'm maybe a little bit jealous of my little brother's life. Um, and, uh, and it makes me just reflect back to um, 18 years ago, 16 years ago, when, when that same brother was failing out of school and he had a drug problem and uh, didn't really know what to do with him. And, and he came to live with us for the summer. And... And I had been working at the cemetery where I noticed Nathan's grave. And I had, a couple years earlier, just asked him to help my brother. Like, that was the simplicity of that prayer. It was just like, uh, wow, you're probably in heaven. And because not a lot of people probably know about you because, you know, you were just a kid. So if you're not too busy, just like, if you could help my brother, I'd really appreciate that. And then I kept, like, clipping grass around the rest of the cemetery. And then it was a couple years later that Kevin moved here for the summer and he needed a place to stay. And, uh, and our Lord just put it on my heart that, um, that I should ask Nathan's family, which seemed really weird because I didn't know you guys. Like we had met like once. But our Lord just kept putting it on my heart. And I remember driving over to meet with Chris and Teresa that day. And... Uh, thinking to myself, this is like totally ridiculous. And I said this prayer, which was also very simple. Like, Nathan, I really think I'm supposed to do this, but if I'm not supposed to do it, you have to make it obvious to your parents. Like, you have to make them like know that they want to do this. End of prayer. And I walked in, and Joe was like standing on a chair, like helping Teresa make cookies. And all these other little kids are running around. And, uh, and I kind of laid out this story. And then there was this, I remember saying something like, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to tell you God wants you to take my brother into your home. And then Chris looked at me and goes, yeah, but you kind of think he does, don't you? Uh Uh-huh. Well, yeah, we might too. Uh, And then we put it off for a couple days. Two days later, we all had dinner. And then I remember Chris coming up to me and saying, we really want to help your brother. And my heart sinking because my brother at the time had decided he wasn't going to stay in Nebraska. And then that night, about two in the morning, um, Kevin's out back, like, talking to Father Jarofsky, Father Holdren, myself. And we were all seminarians. And he says, I'm going to stay here. And that was, like, Nathan's birthday. And then he went on to stay with their family. And that whole story is just an example of how our Lord is glorified when we accept him as our king. He was glorified in the way that he allowed Nathan's intercession to be very obvious in that moment. He was also glorified in the way that their whole family was able to just be very open to receiving my brother. And it became obvious how your entire family learned acceptance from Nathan as he was accepting his death. And that's the goal of all of our lives. The goal of all of our lives is to be able to accept our Lord's grace, love, and mercy in whatever circumstances come our way. In the normal, everyday circumstances of our life. And so today, as we celebrate this Feast of Christ our King, I just invite all of you, if there's any space in your heart that needs to be transformed, if there's a part of your life you haven't yet surrendered or a part of your life you haven't yet accepted, to make that act of surrender. Jesus, I surrender to you. Whatever circumstances that there are in your life, Jesus, I surrender to you kind of the life I wish I would have had or the life that I think I should have. And I just invite you to transform my life wherever it is right now to make it into something new. So that Christ our King may be glorified in each and every one of our hearts. that we may remember each day that he is the king of our families, the king of our parishes, the king of our church, the king of the universe.